Welcome to the Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm. Here are your hosts, experienced lawyers, writers, and entrepreneurs, Heidi Alexander and Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the August episode of Legal Toolkit on the Legal Talk Network. Is there a better time to kick back and listen to a podcast on the beach? In New England, at least, no, because the rest of the time you'd be buried in snow. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. I'm your host, Jared Correa, and in addition to casting this pod, I'm also the Assistant Director and Senior Law Practice Advisor with the Massachusetts Law Office Management Assistance Program. LOMAP provides free and confidential law practice management consulting services to Massachusetts attorneys. For more information on LOMAP's offerings, visit our website at masslomap.org. You can also buy my book, Twitter in One Hour for Lawyers, from the American Bar Association on iTunes or Amazon. My co-host, Heidi Alexander, is back next month. On the Legal Toolkit, we provide you each month with a new tool to add to your own legal toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. Today, we're going to talk to somebody who is writing her second book. She's going to talk to us about building expertise and standing out from a crowd, which is especially important for attorneys who sell services in what has become a deeply saturated market. Leading us on our journey today will be Dory Clark, CEO of Clark Strategic Communications. Now, I like to say that I knew Dory before she was famous, but lately she's become a worldwide phenomenon. To wit, she is a frequent contributor to Forbes, Harvard Business Review, and Entrepreneur. Dory is also an adjunct professor at business administration at Duke University's Fuqua School of Business and a visiting professor for IE Business School in Madrid. She has guest lectured at Harvard Business School, the Harvard Kennedy School, Stanford University's Graduate School of Business, the Wharton School, and the MIT Sloan School of Management. She is a frequent guest on MSNBC and appears in worldwide media, including NPR, the Wall Street Journal, and the BBC. Her clients have included Google, Microsoft, Fidelity, and the World Bank. In 2013, Harvard Business Review published her book, Reinventing You, Define Your Brand, Imagine Your Future. Her forthcoming book, Stand Out, How to Find Your Breakthrough Idea and Build a Following Around It, will be released early next year by Portfolio Penguin. Her new book will be the subject of our discussion today. And my God, is that an impressive bio. I'm tired just reading it. Uh, Dory, welcome back to the show. Jared, thank you so much for having me. Great. Let's, let's jump right into it because I know we're interested to talk about your new book. Last time you visited us, you talked about reinventing you. This time you've got your new book, Stand Out, in which you focus on the importance of professionals building expertise. So tell us, just why is that so important? Well, Jared, it's increasingly essential for professionals to become recognized experts in their field because, as you were alluding to, as we get to a far more competitive economy, we've got uh, th- threats, quote unquote, you, some, some would say opportunities, but in a lot of ways it's threats <laughs> from, uh, from all kinds of people who are around the world able to do services cheaper than, than other people. I mean, in the past 10 years, the legal industry has really faced this in a dramatic way that mm-hmm. you, you really can't uh, count 
on having the same kinds of uh, really remunerative arrangements that uh, that people became accustomed to over the past uh, 30 or 40 years. Things have yeah. changed. Price pressures have been squeezing margins. And if you want to still be able to make a really good living, there's really only one way to do it, which is to establish a brand that is so powerful, people specifically want to come to you because your brand speaks for itself. People say, no, I have to have her. And even if she's more expensive, that's what we've got to do. And you get to that status by becoming a recognized expert in your field. Yeah, it's a great point. Lawyers often, especially new lawyers, race to the bottom and try to sell their services as cheaply as possible. But you're right, creating the brand is a much better way to go. So you've done that tremendously well. And I think if people are looking for an exemplar of that, they should look to you, first of all. But that was the subject of your last book. So let's return to that for a second. So how does this concept of building expertise connect back to personal branding? It's actually, I believe, a, a, a tight continuation. Because at this point, having a, a personal brand that is honed and refined is kind of table stakes. I mean, at this point... Uh, it's really important for every professional to have a basic sense of who am I, what do I stand for, what can I contribute, what do I want to be known for. That's really important for everyone. But if you really want to excel, if you want to reach the highest levels of your profession, you need to go that extra mile and become recognized as an expert, the definitive person that people want to go to. And that's what I talk about in the next book, Stand Out. Hmm, absolutely. So this is a sequel of sorts. Of course... Not everybody can be an expert. If everybody was an expert, that term would really have no meaning. So is becoming a subject matter expert a realistic aspiration for people? I think that it actually is. Um, a lot of people stop themselves even before they get started. They don't even try. But really, it, it is a competitive advantage because, you know, number one, so many other people are having those same doubts and don't try. So it's a limited pool of people that are willing to do so. And yep. B, you know, I strongly believe that, I mean, of course, you need a requisite level of intelligence and experience. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, when, when people say, well, you know, can anyone be an expert? I mean, no, <laughs> yeah. you know, let's be honest, not everyone can be an expert. But if, if people are listening to the, the podcast, if you have uh, an intelligent person who's an attorney, clearly you already have the chops. You already have the basic skills that are necessary. And at that point, what separates you is grit. What separates you is determination. And so if you are willing to put in the time and effort to really say, I am going to focus on building my expertise and getting recognized for that, 100% you have the ability to do that. Yeah, and that's a great point as well. I think having that professional degree, having a profession, gives you the first leg up probably to becoming an expert. What is it then... Let's talk about misconceptions about becoming an expert, because I do think a lot of people believe that it's daunting. What are some of the things that people misunderstand about becoming a subject matter expert? I think that, that one of the biggest misunderstandings that, that people have about becoming an expert is the idea that it is some kind of you know, divine inspiration, right? Um, I, I think a lot of people have this idea that, uh, you know, like Archimedes in the bathtub, that, that you, know, oh, you know, some amazing thing is going to come to me. And, that, you know, that's how people become experts. You know, that's, that's one, that, that it's like a special genius that is required. The other, you know, sort of on the alternate end of the spectrum misconception is that 
if I, you know, this, this goes for a lot of things, but there are many people who just think, oh, I will just do my job and then good things will happen. <laughs> if I am good at my job, then I will eventually be recognized as an expert because people will see that I'm good at my job. <laughs> and we, we know that it doesn't work for these other things. We know that, that you're not going to uh, get recognized or promoted the way that you should if you are the wallflower hanging out in your office and you know, pushing papers instead yeah. of getting out there and meeting people and giving speeches and learning to become a rainmaker. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so you know, it's the exact same thing with, with expertise. You can't count on it automatically happening. Um, I think that the message that I really want to get out in in the book, Stand Out, is that you can, if you make the effort, become a recognized expert, uh, but it involves two pieces. One is the willingness to try, and the second is making a consistent effort over time. It is neither um, an automatic thing that happens because you're a good person or a good worker, nor uh, some crazy lightning strike that, that only affects geniuses. Anyone can do it if they make the effort. Time and pressure. I think that's what the theme of uh, Shawshank Redemption was, if I remember correctly. By the way, Dory, excellent Archimedes reference. I like how you dropped that in there. Thank you. I try. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about how this relates to Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 Hours. And you're going to have to fill me in on this Gladwell character. The last book I read was Thomas Hardy's Jude the Obscure, which is a great book if you want to be super depressed for the next three months. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I'm, I'm a Thomas Hardy fan myself, so I, I support I support living in the 19th century where possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, so Malcolm Gladwell, very famously in uh, in his book Outliers, which came out a few years ago, um, he's kind of penetrated the cultural consciousness with the idea that he uh, that he writes about, which is that 10,000 hours often seems to be this magic threshold for becoming a, a real world class expert in one's field, and his findings have been questions. Some people argue that he, he may be making things a little too simple or um, you know, somehow muddling it because he's drawing on the, the study by a guy named K. Anders Erickson, who's a psychologist that studied master violinists. But all this being said, the narrative that got into the culture is the 10,000 hours is what it takes to make a real world-class expert. And anyway, I, I think that um, that is it sends the right message in some ways and the wrong message in others. Certainly, hard work and deliberate practice is really essential to expertise. Um, But I I think that one of the things that, one of the points I really want to make and stand out is that there's two pieces, two equally important pieces when it comes to developing your expertise. One is actually gathering uh, the skills and the competence required to do a good job. You have to do that. Um, But what is really equally important if you want to make an impact in the world is becoming recognized for that expertise. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't don't take that second step, it's a very ivory tower uh, sort of thing. You're not going to be able to have the impact that you want in the world, whether it's about social change or building your practice or any of the things that are really important to a lot of the professionals that I talk to. And yep. so you need to you need to get the skills and get really good at what you're doing, but you also need to build a following so that other people understand that you you are knowledgeable about it and that they should be coming to you. And you know we can discuss it a little later, but there's a lot of ways uh, for people to do that, particularly yeah. in the internet era. Uh, it's far more accessible for people to share that expertise and get known. 
Yeah, that's great. Um, and yeah, we'll talk about that idea of developing a following and getting known uh, later on as well. So I guess I'll have to read Malcolm Gladwell, but only after I read your new book. <laughs> so Dory, uh, some tells me this podcast is really going to stand out in my memory. See what I did there? That was good. Um, anyway my wife hates it when I do that as well however uh, it's time for us to take a break when we come back we'll have more on standing out from the crowd with Dory Clark now this is normally the space in our show where we offer words from our sponsors and this is potentially an opportunity for you the legal toolkit is seeking sponsors you can hear your advertisement right here if you're interested contact the team at Legal Talk Network at info at legaltalknetwork.com. Now, if Doritos becomes our sponsor, does that mean I get a ton of free Doritos, hopefully? And maybe some of those Doritos tacos, those look delicious. Welcome back. We're joined today by Dory Clark, principal of Clark Strategic Communications and an international superstar. Here at the virtual studio, we're chatting about promoting expertise. So, Dory, let's return to this subject of expertise and developing the same. Do most recognized experts set out to become that, or do they more often just fall into it over time? Well, Jared, what I've found in doing the course of my research for Standout is that actually it it really can go both ways. Um, There are some people who I profile in the book, you know, for instance, let's say they are uh, professors, and becoming a recognized expert is something that is literally part of their job description. They need to become known as uh, as a, a worldwide authority, and that is the grounds on which they are promoted and gain tenure. Uh, so they've they've really tried to make a concerted effort to do it, um, and you know some obviously do it better than others. And so one of the things that I'm trying to do in the book is to extract best practices so that we can really create a, a guide for people to do it. But I was equally fascinated by the people who almost kind of stumbled into to becoming experts and the things that we can learn from their experiences. Um, one of the people that I talk about in the, in the book is a guy named Michael Waxenberg, who was an IT manager for a financial services company in New York. And he and his wife uh, had just had a baby and they wanted to buy a condo. And as part of it, of course, he started going to open houses and you know looking around and trying to get the lay of the land. And he got really impassioned about the process and on a real estate real estate website, started posting very very detailed reviews of property and leading a discussion thread about uh, about pricing and, and trying to you know really get data driven results about real estate and where the market was heading. And mm-hmm. uh, he became so knowledgeable. I mean, he he literally visited more than a thousand open houses, posted reviews of, of <laughs> all of these places that um, people began asking him if he would represent them in real estate transactions, and he had to sort of sheepishly say, well, you know, I'm not actually a realtor. <laughs> and, uh, and so for a while he was, uh, you know, he was helping them on an ad hoc basis and kind of getting cases of wine instead of uh, getting paid. And finally, uh, an actual realtor reached out to him and said, look, you are so good at this. If you're not a realtor now, let me sponsor you. I will sponsor your training and you can come to work for my firm. And uh, he's started a really lucrative uh, side career just on the basis of the skill that he was able to, uh, to build in his spare time and then demonstrate magnificently. Wow. 
Yeah, I mean, th- that's a pretty cool story, of course. Um, but I think you're right. And when you said earlier, the professors, for example, part of their professional existence, part of their professional development is becoming recognized experts. And I think it's the same thing with lawyers. So it's a little bit easier in that case. You don't have to build something from scratch necessarily. Yeah, so exactly. I, so I got to share with you, you know, bucket list for me. One of these days, I hope to get interviewed for one of your books. We'll see. All right. Uh, when, I, when I make my first several billion dollars, we can talk about that. <laughs> so That's fantastic. I, so I, I know we've, we've addressed this sort of uh, tangentially initially, but what are some of the specific benefits of becoming an expert? Yeah, well, I think that, that one of the most important things when it comes to, to being viewed as an expert is that the way that I like to think about it, Jared, is that if you are someone who is uh, a business person of any sort, you know, if you need to attract clients to you, as attorneys do, the way that you do that is a mix of sales and marketing. And sometimes people conflate the terms or aren't really sure where one begins and where the other ends. Uh, but th- the way that I think of it is that marketing is what draws people to you, and then sales is the act of you know making the ask, making the close, etc., and yeah. uh, and they do they do kind of work hand in glove. The the interesting thing, I mean, sales is the part that's really hard for a lot of people because mm-hmm. it involves asking for the business, and you know, there's all these stories about you know, oh, well, you know, what 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 is sales? Well, it's uh, you know, cold calling people, and sales <laughs> is you know, going and sort of forcing yourself on people, and of course, no one li- likes that. No one likes uh, doing that. Or receiving that, and um, you know, it, it kind of becomes this brute force thing, and it, it's it's terrible way to have to live or to do business. And so, if you want to have a really happy professional career, what I think the solution to that is is that your marketing should become so strong that you barely have to do any selling at all. I mean, somehow yep. between sales and mm-hmm. marketing, you have to get to a hundred percent. But if you can have ninety-five percent marketing, which attracts people to you, and then just like five percent sales, where they come to you and say, "Oh, please, Dory, can we work with you?" And then you know, then you just sort of sign on the dotted line and say, "Oh, okay. Well, if you want to work with me, here's how it would work, and here's what." Uh, you can pay me. And then they just say yes. Well, that's a fantastic way to do business. And I think most (laughs) lawyers would probably really like it if that were the case. And once you develop that expert reputation, that's what you get. You get people coming to you and saying, I don't really care what it costs. I need to work with you. And you basically just, you know, hand them the contract, they sign it, and you get the check. And that that's a, a really profoundly gratifying way to run a successful business. Yes, and you're right. Most lawyers would be ecstatic if that came to pass. <laughs> so I tell lawyers all the time that it's vitally important for them to establish their expertise. So tell me why I'm so right. Yes. Well, it's really essential um, for lawyers especially because you know this is a profession where you need above all else, to have the trust of the client. They need to know that you are not uh, in opposition to them in any way. You are their rock, and they need to trust your judgment completely. And that is what a successful relationship is predicated on. And so if if there is this kind of weird selling where they they feel a little bit manipulated or pressured by you or or something like that, it, it really can derail the relationship. Um, so what you what you want in order to have uh, you know not just a, a more satisfying bottom line but a more satisfying engagement with a client is for them from the very beginning to trust your judgment 
and to trust that they are in good hands. And so uh, having, having that expert reputation where you don't have to prove yourself, you don't have to be convincing them, oh, well, you know, really this is the best course of action and, and you know, walk them through all of it. I mean, of course, you, you want to give them the information, but you want them uh, to have the confidence in you so that um, you, can, you can really do your job well. That is what comes from having the expert reputation. So taking the time early on, because it is an investment. You know, it, it's more work than most attorneys are willing to do. But if you yes. make that investment early on, it will be paying dividends literally for decades in your career. And it's a good point you make. Thinking of expertise as a function of developing trust. I don't think a lot of attorneys think of it that way necessarily. Now, let's change subjects to discuss this other aspect of your book that you're coming out with. This is the other major concept I think that you're addressing. So having expertise, that's one thing, right? Getting recognized for that expertise is entirely another thing. There are a lot of good lawyers, for example, who are very good at what they do. Um, they have the expertise, but they just sit in your office, they sit in their office like you talked about earlier. So how do you develop an idea or a concept that will end up getting you noticed for your expertise? Yeah, so there's, there's a few different ways, Jared, that uh, in the course of my research for Standout, I've discovered are are good strategies for uh, developing an idea that that is a breakthrough and can get you noticed. So one of them is uh, is what I call essentially the big idea, which is taking <laughs> taking on some kind of mysterious challenge. You know, something that that people are interested in, but uh, but no one has really taken the time to parse and making that question your own. And I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. Um, one of the most famous psychologists in the world is a guy named Robert Cialdini, who's an emeritus professor at Arizona State University. And where he really made his name is he wrote a book called Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion. And prior to him writing this book and really studying it, Persuasion, uh, in a lot of people's minds, was considered this kind of ineffable thing. It was, you know, I mean, everybody's interested in, in persuasion, but nobody had really scientifically broken it down. Like, what are the steps? What does it look like? How do you conceptualize this? It was all this, you know, oh, well, some people are charismatic. And, you know, that's not really an answer. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so he, he studied it, and he actually broke it down into uh, six different uh, types of persuasion and was able to, to explain that. And the fact that, that he did that, that he was willing to tackle this big idea um, of something that was of great concern or interest to a lot of people and make that explicable really made his career. So that's one way of doing it. Another way of doing it, which I think is probably a fairly common route that attorneys can pursue, is, uh, is expanding an expert niche. And so one of the people that I profile in Standout is a guy named Sopal Ear, who is a really interesting fellow. His family were uh, Cambodian refugees uh, from the Khmer Rouge, and he grew up in America and grew up to become a political science professor. And he was really curious and fascinated about this homeland that he had fled when he was a baby. And so he became an expert in Cambodia, which mm. in the world of geopolitics you know, it's not China, let's put it that way. Uh, people are not talking about Cambodia every day. And so it might seem like this really kind of ridiculously narrow thing. Why would he focus on this when, the, you know, you get more attention if you are writing on a subject that is kind of a sexy 
topic. Um, but it turns out that he was able to take this deep expertise in Cambodia and expand it in a lot of really interesting directions. He actually became a, a noted commentator on avian flu because he was an expert in Cambodian agriculture. He mm-hmm. uh, has given a TED talk about uh, criminal justice because he had expertise in the Khmer Rouge tribunals. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's found ways to really uh, take his narrow expertise and broaden it out so that he can comment on other things. So that's, that's a pretty interesting example. And then the, the other uh, three key ways Jared, that I would suggest that people can begin to get develop ideas that get them known as experts. Uh, one is performing original research. Um, yeah. So you know that would be the example that we talked about earlier. Michael Waxenberg. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, it's not that he hired some expensive research firm. It's that he was willing to go out and you know visit a thousand. Upper West Side brownstones and write detailed reviews of them. You know these are things you can do on your own, uh, yeah. but but he did the research. Uh, another mm-hmm. way to do it is combining ideas. So can you take elements of uh, of some other discipline that you're familiar with or that you know about and apply them in your study or your analysis of the law? If you can combine two disparate fields or two disparate ideas in an interesting and new way, that can get you noticed. And then finally. Um, codifying a system. So if you can find find a way to really help people understand uh, how things are done. I mean, I think about somebody like Robert McKee, who became very famous writing a book that explains, you know, sort of the definitive guide to how to write a screenplay. And if you're able to, you know, to sort of reverse engineer, oh, well, he, you know, here are the most famous movies of all time. Here's what their scripts have in common. Here's how you can do it. If you can give people a template like that, um, then all of a sudden, whenever anyone talks about how to do that, uh, they have to reference you because you have really created a definitive guide to helping people understand that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I see a lot of lawyers using the concept of narrowing their field and expanding their expertise within that field. So this is truly great advice for attorneys. So we have time for one more question. So let me ask you this. You've got your noticeable idea. How do you build your following around that idea? Yeah, that's that's really the important million dollar question in terms of how to do that. <laughs> the way yeah. that I think about the process, Jared, is that it is a three-step process. You, you begin by building a one-to-one following around your idea, you know, communicating with a core group of people. Next, you begin communicating one to many. And then finally, the goal ultimately is to try to get other people, you know, the world talking about your idea. So it's many to many. And what I mean by that, um, so one to one, you start out, it's really important for people if they have an idea that they care about, if if they're a professional, to begin getting feedback from other uh, like-minded professionals that they know and respect, Uh, you know, kind of building a core group of folks that you can bounce ideas off of sharpen your ideas, and get them to, to start thinking about it and talking about it too. So this is where mastermind groups or, you know, sort of professional networking groups of people, you know, I'm not talking about trading business cards, but I'm talking about people you yeah. really trust yeah. um, come in. The next thing, one to many, is about spreading your idea. So this is where visibility becomes important. If you can start blogging for, uh, you know, some kind of industry journal or creating your own blog, if you can create a podcast series like this one, if you can take on a leadership role so that you know maybe you are uh, programming speakers or organizing conferences or, or things like that, if you're the head of an organization, that's a great one-to-many way to spread your ideas. And then yeah. finally, when it comes to, uh, to creating a movement, to you know, getting the world talking about your idea, it's, it's thinking through 
how can you get others who, at this point, you've hopefully built up enough of a fan base through your communications that you've, you've found pockets of people who care about your idea. How can yeah. you bring them together so that they can learn from each other, connect with each other, and ensure that your idea spreads further? You know, whether mm-hmm. that's conferences or online forums or things like that, providing ways for others to connect around your idea can be powerful. All right. There's the blueprint. Everybody go out and become an expert. Well, thank you so much, Dory, as always. This has been a highly enlightening conversation. And now we've reached the end of this episode of the Legal Toolkit. Keep in mind, however, that you can check out all of our shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com. So thank you, Dory Clark of Clark Strategic Communications, for taking the time to sit down with me via Skype today. Uh, Dory, uh, how can our listeners find out more about you? Well, Jared, thank you. My website is doryclark.com, D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K. And if folks are interested in this information, I have over 400 free articles and over 160 free podcasts available on my website, as well as a monthly e-newsletter that people can subscribe to. I'm on Twitter, at Dory Clark. And my two books uh, are available on Amazon and and many other uh, fine uh, websites and real-world retailers. They are Reinventing (laughs) You and stand out. DoryClark.com, just that easy. So it's D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K. Dory's excellent. You should definitely follow her, read her stuff, buy her books. Thanks again, Dory. And thank you all out there for listening. Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Heidi and Jared for their next podcast, covering the current business trends for law firms. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.